0: It is so awesome for us to be with you this weekend with your pastors, John and Linnell. They are some of our most favorite people, praise God. So that makes you all some of our most favorite people as well. and We just love you so much. Glad to be here with you. Glad that your friends of ours and partners with us and all that's going on to Haiti abounds to your account. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. I really believe I've got a word that will bless you this morning. impart to you and change you how many know it's the Word of God that changes us and we need to be changed believe it or not from glory to glory and from faith to faith praise God hallelujah I'll give you a little background on this last year Uh, I didn't have a video this year because we just didn't have time long enough time to sit down and make one it's just been that busy Uh, but 2013 2014 has been the most particular year I've ever experienced in my life Uh, last May this last May Linda's and my 27th year anniversary in Haiti. Not our marital anniversary, but 27 years in Haiti. Hallelujah. And uh, 27 years is a lifetime. I mean, it, that's a long time. And God had given us about a two to three year uh, plan when we first went. We didn't realize we'd be. I, I, one thing I found out about God you, you do realize every person in here has a divine plan and purpose for your life. That every person in here has a divine destiny on your life, and you should pursue God with that in mind. But at the same time, when God releases destiny in your life, He'll show you A, B, and C, but He'll never show you LMNOP because LMNOP is going to scare you to death. <laughs> because LMNOP you can't do on your own. You might can start out kind of on your own, but once you get into it deep, you're going to find your place without God. Well, with, well, let's go the other way. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And so 27 years ago, we moved our family to the nation of Haiti, and, and uh, th- this academic year starting now is uh, Morningstar Christian Academy's Linda's school that she birthed in 1994 with 11 students is now over 300 and so every year, and is one of the most prominent schools. That's the 20th anniversary for that school this, starting this year, hallelujah. <laughs> praise God. And you guys played a big role in that. Maybe you don't know that, but uh, through John, Pastor John's encouragement, Linnell, and uh, the O'Neils, and some of the others that labored with us, we are now have dual accreditation, which is really cool. I mean, not many. I mean, most public schools don't have a dual accreditation, um, and we have a dual accreditation. I kicked all the way because all I thought it was a money scheme, but I never realized what she saw in the spirit that it just opened up the door to importance and recognition to our school like never seen before and so we just praise God for that too and so we're a very strong say strong Strong. a strong Christian school you know some Christian schools got it in the sign and that's about the end of it but uh, this school you get baptized in the gospel every single day and then chapels every Wednesday just like a church service whole worship team message the only thing we don't do is take an offering and I'm thinking about it praise God (laughs) hallelujah and, uh, but we bless them with the word of God, and that's going awesome. And, of course, the church is standing strong and growing between five and 6,000 on Sunday attendance and three services. And, uh, of course, we're in our new building. Uh, still got to do build-out. Phase three's coming. I had to take a vacation on fundraising. I couldn't handle another fundraising idea again for a while. I just needed a break. And so I, gave one, I took one year off. September, it's coming back, praise God. Phase 3. Hallelujah! Uh, you have to understand. As pastor may have said, Haiti's one of the poorest nations in the Western Hemisphere. So even though you have great numbers, great numbers don't add revenue like we're accustomed to. Great numbers generally add more expense because you're having to take care of more people with true benevolent problems. And so, and, but it's an honor to be able to bless them and help them when they need help. And they're a they're a very strong culture, very proud culture, and they're a very gentle culture and love God culture. Praise the Lord. And so, and I always said. <coughs> If I ever am in a battle, I want the Haitians praying for me because they'll fight for you forever, and uh, they'll pray strong for you. And then we prayed and stood with you guys as Pastor Linnell plowed through and prayed for her diligently, and uh, along with many, many people. And uh, we just praise God for the work that God's done through that victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But in the midst of this, we put that building up, and as soon as that building got up, we came under a tremendous spiritual war. And I had a, received a prophetic word from a prophetic man out of Kansas City that said, Jay, when you planted your first pillar, you were declaring the devil. You're taking the territory. You're not moving. And, uh, I, so, and, and you have to understand something. And as, you, as the Lord gives you increase in responsibility, which is God's promotion, God's promotion is just you get have to do more. (laughs) That's God's promotion. There there comes a warfare with it, and there's there's a grace that goes with it too to sustain you. But there's a warfare. I have it. We have. (laughs) We have a triple doctorate in spiritual warfare. Praise God. Hallelujah. And and it's not a good thing. Praise the Lord. OJT learning on the job. And uh, but this year was really different. And so, as soon as we established that church and we dedicated it, we had four different TV stations filming us and following us. We are on national TV every week, uh, or filmed and then put on TV every week. But th- these and these other stations came because we were doing it. We were de- church on the rock, 25 years, and and, and it, we became we we raised we were risen we rose <laughs> way above the radar all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, the government decided they're going to persecute us. There was, who are these foreigners that have so much influence in our nation? You know, who are these people? Who do they think they are coming here? Even though we'd been there forever, we just kind of were, kind of flowing down low, you know. And uh, so we had government persecution. We, of course, financial deficits, pretty much a norm for me. Um, I, I, my next book that I'm writing, but I haven't written my first book yet. But my next book I'm writing is How to Run a Big Ministry with Absolutely No Money. And, and, and the crux of it, the final chapter, is you wear a lot of holes in your knees and your pants legs of your knees, you know, because it's really through prayer and God's grace that you make it. Hallelujah. And, but anyhow, we've uh, always had it. But this just seemed to be uh, strong and... Uh, the, there's attack against our staff persecution against our staff persecution attack against our family persecution attack against the school per, the devil was just moving every place he could and so at the turn of 2013 14 which would have been the new year i do what i normally do and i separate myself for a day or two and i pray and fast and seek god for what he would the breath that he would have me take into the new year how many under you how many of you realize god does things with times and seasons and uh, I sometimes believe that the calendar or the almanac is there for a purpose, so that we realize that times and seasons are changing, but not just naturally, but spiritually. And I was really desperate. I, was, I mean, we were under it. And so I was praying and seeking God, and I came to a passage. And this is not my message, you realize. I'm just laying groundwork. But uh, I, uh, I came to a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 30. For those of you who have been in the Word a while, you'll know the story. But this is where, while David and his fighting men were out on, on bivouac there, or they're out fighting, uh, the Philistines attacked his camp at Ziglath. And they had destroyed the camp, and they had stolen all their possessions and taken all their families. And so when David and his fighting men came back, uh, they were very distraught. Matter of fact, some of them even wanted to stone and kill King David. But David did a very wise thing, and in he inquired of the Lord inquire to the lord brothers and sisters when you're under a little bit of attack you best inquire of the lord and sometimes inquiring of the lord is a little more de- deeper than just god save me prayer sometimes you got to press on in a little bit i can't theologically tell you why i just know you got to do it out of experience sometimes god can be the easiest fellow to find and sometimes it just seems like you really got to stand in there strong until you you and him meet you know what i'm saying Praise God. But anyhow, he began to speak to me from that passage. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Pursue your enemy and you will recover all. Yeah. Well, I understood pursuing. And, and, and he spoke to me. He said, You have been on the defensive far too long. See, we'd be hit and we'd pray. We'd be hit and we'd pray. We'd be hit and we'd pray. And God would take us through the hit. God would take us through the attack. Uh-uh. But he said, You've been in a defensive posture too long go to the move to the offensive and so we preached on that for several months and we did we did we released our own attack against darkness we would we would schedule on holidays so everybody could come aggressive days of prayer and fasting now when Haitians come and pray and fast for a day I can draw four to five to six thousand people they will show up at 6 a.m. in the morning and they will not leave until we say we're finished that's usually two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. We will run four or five different worship teams throughout the time. We we do altar calls. People at a church prayer and fasting get saved because they bring everybody with them and they just get saved. We get people saved. We've had water baptisms. We may do communion. Now, when you do communion with four and five thousand people, it takes a whole lot longer than fifteen minutes. I mean, so there's a thing going all the time, and then different specials and people worshiping in different prayer strategies and attacks, and it's really awesome because you can feel the waves of God and the breaths of God breathing, and it's just the presence of God. God really likes it when we come together and pray. You know that, don't you? Now, I'm, I gotta, I gotta, I'm on overtime tonight. I get time and a half tonight, but I'm on a prayer service here tonight. I would encourage you to try to come to that because God really likes it. when he, he You know, I, I always hear being a pastor of my church, well, I can pray at home. It's something different about praying collectively, corporately. There's a greater anointing on the prayers because where one puts a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, and if two are putting ten thousand to flight, what do fifty or a hundred or two hundred do? Praise God amen so we started doing that we created a new class joshua class where guys have already uh, graduated guys and gals bible school four-year diplomas and i called i said for those that want impartation come and i and i had to cut it off at about 35 40 men and women where they just wanted me to pour into them 30 years of experience and and lift them up and raise them up and release them in ministry. And the devil doesn't like that when you're releasing people in ministry. And then so there we strategized from there to send these guys and other guys into different missions, trips all throughout the nation, going out to our satellite churches all over the land, holding revivals, holding street meetings, preaching on the streets. We're aggressively attacking, just as God said. And so we continued to move, and we had the women's conference, youth rally. We had the uh, Mardi Gras crusade where 40, 50,000 people will come and worship with you for four or five nights. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm approaching now Easter. We're in April. That was J- January word. Now I'm getting to my message. And I'm coming into Easter, and I got my title, and I got my text, which is easy. Easter is always a great service because that is the day we... Respect as Resurrection Sunday, although he's resurrected every day, but that is a great day, and so I was going to teach on God's magnificent love, because God so loved us that he gave his son. Now that is so much more deeper than we give it sometimes, because we see it on football games, John three sixteen. We see it here, we see it everywhere. Every Christian been around any time can quote it backwards, forwards, in between time, but it's really a deep scripture. Because, you know, I got a couple of sons. I love you guys and I love them, but I'm not crucifying them for you. I mean, it's deep how much God loved us. It's so awesome. I'm going to get to this in a minute. And so I'm, I'm, I'm preparing this message, spinning off of John 3:16, And this is like a Friday night before Easter. I mean, I've spent a couple of times time getting ready. And then I hear the voice of God. Now, how many know we don't have a corner on the market hearing God? I mean, I've been in the ministry a long time, and I can profess. Sometimes I'm hearing him, and I know that I know that I know I'm hearing them. And sometimes you're just wondering, is that God? Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is because you've got to connect from the natural to the spirit. And so it's not always an, an exact science, trust me. But anyhow, I sense God speak to me. And he says, you don't know my love. I said, excuse me? He said, no, you don't know my love come to find out I didn't know his love, but I don't want to tell the whole story yet. And I said, God, I pray every day. He said, son, you pray because you must. I said, God, I labor hard, toil, and carry the burden to feed these kids so they can eat. I can feed a kid for 35 cents. Where can you feed a meal for 35 cents? We don't make money on our feeding program. We don't do it to help pay the administrative bills. 100% of the money that comes out of those jars goes to a feeding program. $0.35, cents, $7 a month. $70 feeds $10. $700 feeds $100. It's awesome. I feed kids, God. He said, clanging cymbals. At that point, I decided that's not God. <laughs> I'm not hearing God, but I labored with it all night. You know, have any of y'all ever been there when God's messing with you? And you start, uh, you know, ha- having a little anxiety through the night, thinking through it, trying to figure it out, working through. And I'm already trying to figure it, that's not God. And then the next morning, which was a Saturday, we have this wonderful young teacher that's been with us for four or five years now. She's got a prophetic edge, and I respect her in her edge, and she's not flaky. She's very conservative, actually a little timid with it. And she walks up to me and says, Pastor, you know I love you, don't you? I said, yeah. She says, well, I, I got a word from God for you, and I wrote it. She don't even, she don't, she's, too, she's too timid to just speak it. And so she said, I want you to read it. I said, all right. And I really respect her. And I know she has this prophetic edge. I respect the prophetic edge in her. And in the crux of that note was, you'll get your breakthrough through the love of God. And now I know God's talking to me. I mean, I can't discount it. When, you see, whenever God repeats himself relatively close, he's trying to make a point to you. Whenever he says the same thing scripture after scripture, he's making a double down point to you, praise God. And so now I realize God's talking to me, and now I've got to do something about it. And so I just said, all right, God, you're telling me I don't know love. I'm going to pursue you till I get this. If this takes the rest of my life. I may come back next year with a message on love. I may never preach another kind of message apart from it again in my life. I don't know it. But I do know how important this is because I didn't know it. I thought I knew it. I thought I operated in it. I thought I walked in it. But I didn't. God began to speak to me began to talk to me about love, because I really made an effort, and I'm still making that effort. I'm not going to give up on this effort. I'm going to grab this. I'm going to get this. I don't think it's something you really get until you go to eternity. Not totally, but I'm going to grasp it. You see, I ministered out of needing to be needed and function instead of ministering out of love. I realized that I'd fallen short. It's not easy. Admit these things, and I guarantee you, as I go through this message, this may come to some of you sitting here, but it's okay. God loves you. Hallelujah! You see, God began to speak to me. He said, If you will come to understand my love, if you will come to begin to walk in my love, if you will become to come to a place where you begin to share my love, become a vessel of love, there is no limit to the victory and conquest that I will permit you to achieve. You see, everything is based on God's love. God's goodness is based on love. God's power and miracles is based on love. God's blessings are based on love. God's glory is based on love. Everything of God is based on love. Now, I I, I don't think I had it all up and down, straight up and down, right order. I'm pretty sure I didn't. You see, God's love is agape love. God's love is not a paternal love, a maternal love. God's love is not a fraternal love, a friendship love. God's love is certainly not sexual love. God's love is sacrificial love. God's love is a sacrificial love that you will learn to live for others more than you even learn to live for yourself. But I had realized that I had all of a sudden the revelation came. I had been living for myself in the name of living for others. Does that make sense to you? Now I'm telling on myself, hoping that it will minister to you. I'm opening myself up as a book so that you can see something in your life just as well. But the one thing that I realize is when you come into that place of understanding sacrificial love, preferring others above yourself, it's that love that will never fail you. God's love never fails. So God began to minister to me through scripture. That's how God speaks to me primarily. I hear a still small, I don't get dreams. I never dream. I always ask God, give me some dreams. That's not the way he talks to me. And if I get a prophetic word, and it's never verily, verily, I love you, it's a slap upside the head and say, get busy. And so I really get mostly ministered to through the scriptures. And God will illuminate a scripture to me. And so God's speaking to me in love. And so now i got to look at love scriptures. i really got to just hit the concordance in the tablet and bring up love and start meditating on this and trying to figure this out. He's already just rebuked me. He's already told me 30 years of ministry is zip. You don't know how to love. And I got to the, of course, Matthew 22, verse 37, 38. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first commandment. And God spoke to me. He said, I'm a jealous God. I don't want to share your love. I have to be the priority of your love. I have to be number one in your life. He said, when you come to pray, don't come to pray because you must. Don't come to pray with your grocery list of need. God said, I already know what you need. When was the last time he said to me, saying to me, when was the last time you just sat at my feet and you kissed my face? When was the last time that you just came to me and you hugged my neck? When was the last time you just showered me with your praise of love because you love me? Instead of coming to me and telling me all the problems and all you need when I already got this one taken care of, I'm just looking. You see, the only reason we were created was to have fellowship with God. We weren't created to be prosperous or blessed. We were created to have fellowship with God. That's just the byproducts, the perks. He said, I'm jealous. I want all your heart. I don't want part of your heart. Want a piece of your heart don't want just your sunday heart i want all of your heart it's all right then of course next scripture you go into and these are the, the the granddaddy scriptures of love you know and it says and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself i said i do that he said no you don't i said i love my brothers and sisters he said i'm not talking about the brothers and sisters in the pew i'm talking about everybody outside the pew And recently, he's illuminated how I need to love my family more, how I need to love everybody more, that I need to love even those that are unlovely. So right now, I'm at a C minus in grade average. And then he throws the bonus question Out of Matthew 5, 43 and 44, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, even love your enemies. How do you do that? (laughs) Come on up here and preach with me, (laughs) gal. It is hard. And I'm being blatantly honest with God. How do you do that? He says, love your enemies, bless those Bless, not this, I bless you, brother. Go bless them. Here, where's a little kid? If you're my enemy, I'll shower you with candy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. You know, if you really, I mean, if you got like a vindictive spirit, I, you know, I could probably carry some of that. And a vindictive spirit, and you really want to punish your enemy, love them. You really want to hurt them, love them. Because the devil doesn't know what to do against love. I'm still learning love. I'm not arrived. I can't, I'm getting there. I'm going to work, take it step by step. But the greatest weapon in the Christian arsenal is not the name of Jesus. It's not the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not the word of God. The greatest weapon in the arsenal of a Christian is love. Because the devil doesn't know what to do with it. to pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless them. I'm at a D minus at best now. (laughs) Dear Lord. And then God began to minister to me some things. And you have to understand, I'm preaching about eight weeks of messages into this one message. But he told me, he said, the last greatest move of Christianity before the return of my son. Now, how many of y'all understand we're getting close? You don't have to be a theologian if you watch anything about world news and world governments and things to know we're really close. But there will be a great Christian move and there will be a counterfeit. But the great Christian move will be based on love. The counterfeit will be Islam operating in hate. But the true move of God will be love, moving in love, walking in love, touching in love, praise God. Hate cannot prevail against love. He said to me in John 13, 35, he said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, that you love. Of course, at the same time, he's correcting me steadily. Now, this is a process. Listen to me. 30 years of ministry, I didn't know it was love. I've wept more in six months, than I've wept in a lifetime. I'm a soldier. I'm a trench man. I'll dig it out. I'll fight with the best, shoulder to shoulder, till we get the victory. I didn't cry, I never cried. Learned to cry a little bit. You get touched by his love, you can't stop the tears. process. It's not going to end real soon. I I, I declare it's not ever going to end. I got a long way to go, but I'm going to get there because I want to finish out with Jesus saying, you know, that last stretch was pretty good. That's where I want to finish at. I don't want to finish out where he says, you know, you started out like gangbusters and did wonderful, but boy, that last 10, 15, where'd you go? began to speak to me through the book of Revelation in chapter 2, which is the, part of the seven letters of the, to the seven churches. And in all those letters, there's an attaboy and there's a fix. And I was getting the attaboy, and actually I, I was reading this passage because I was teaching the book of Revelation verse by verse to my Bible school. Fourth year, third trimester. Takes every bit of about 30 hours to teach that through. And so I was reading it, and he began to speak to me as he does through scripture. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those that are evil. I said, yeah. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not. That's just the card carriers that carry their little titles, and nobody ever gave it to them but themselves. We got that in Christianese land. Everybody wants a title and gives themselves one. You know, I just assume you call me slave. I'll let Pastor call me an apostle. Right. And that's not a false humility. I'm nothing. I'm just trying my best to obey. And I've fallen short. Here's the kicker. God still loves you when you fall short. Yeah. Yeah. He said, You've persevered and you've had patience. Said, Man, we've had to persevere some stuff, God. I don't know about patience persevere. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You lost your first love. You see, the first love was the day, see, I wasn't raised church, so I had no religious devils I had to get rid of. I had to get rid of addiction devils. I had to get rid of violent devils. I had to get rid of all kind of devils, but I didn't have religious devils. And when I got touched that first day, that one day, when Jesus touched my heart and I made the commitment, cried out for him salvation. I was touched with a love then that was unexplainable because I could not imagine anybody loving me. I was a wicked man. I was not a good person. I was a terrible husband. I was a terrible father. Everything in me was wrong. I had no moral compass. I had nothing governing my life except the desires of my flesh. And God touched my heart with a love that was so profound so deep, so joyous, that I would literally just pursue him with every fiber in me in those first years. I didn't want to be apart from him. I didn't want to be far from him. I wanted to feel him. I wanted to taste him. I wanted to be around him. I wanted the anointing. I wanted his presence more, and I wanted life itself. But Somewhere in there, and it happens to many of us, I got from that first love to performance for God. Because I thought my performance would make him love me more. If I do good, God will love me more. If I do this, God will be happy with me. And his love's not based on that. His love is simple. He just loves you. He created you to love you. He created you to fellowship with him in love. And if we miss that mark, we become estranged. And I was doing it in the name of Jesus. And and yes, fruit was birth, And I think the fruit is eternal and all that good stuff. But I was missing a dimension that even now I'm pursuing to make sure I never miss it again and I can grow from it and learn from it. That passion. And you know what I prayed? I said, God, take me back there. To that place. And that's a really good prayer. You pray restoration to first love passion. God's answering that prayer. I began to see him different and feel him different again. And I began to spend time with him. What's nice is every now and then I can capture capture away time in my office because I'm in the ministry. And so many times I can just sit in my office and talk to God until people knock on the door all the time. You see, it was that demonstration of God's love that changed me. It's God's love that changes things. Forgiveness is all based on love. Grace is based on love. Mercy is based on love. And and then you get to Romans 8 and it says, who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Your most deepest screw-up. And I got another PhD in screw-ups. I screw up with the best. But it doesn't stop him from loving you. And love is the foundation of and this is really one of the most important verses I want you to hear before I, before I close. Now, as a preacher in the book of Preacher, it says I can say that three times and not lie. You only get that book when you graduate to Preacher. <laughs> There's no real book. In Galatians 5 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith works by love. Faith functions by love. You can't separate them. Faith is not just believing power God. The devil believes in the power of God, but he'll never get a miracle because he has no love. And being, I I do have a doctorate in theology, and being a, a student of the word, I knew exactly what Paul was saying. Now, he was addressing a physical cutting of the flesh but symbolically and spiritually, there was a whole nother line there. And we've got this very thing in our New Testament churches today. You see, circumcision symbolizes law. And we got some really legalistic Christians. We're talking about the other church. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. But it says, like, if we do this and we do this, and if I do this, this, and this, God will be really happy with me, and I get this. God will bless you because he loves you. He'll encourage you to do the right things, but that's not what stipulates the blessing. It's his love that blesses. Oh, try to wrap your mind around that one. That'll get you long and far. But at the same time, you can't condone not doing the right things because that's uncircumcision. Uncircum- now, remember, circumcision law avails nothing. Uncircumcision symbolizes Freedom. I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm free. And the blood just cleanses me and cleanses me. And so if I go right and go left, God loves me. He still loves you, but you can't do it. And it's God's love that corrects you and keeps you down the straight and narrow. So one represents law and the other represents freedom, unjust freedom. We are free in Christ, but unjust freedom, thinking we can just do whatever we want and God's still happy. Neither, none of that avails anything. That's what the scripture's saying. What works is faith based on love. Based on love. See, it's, the, it's not just believing you can move a mountain that moves the mountain. It's God's love that moves the mountain. Your love joined with him moves mountains. But mountains sit and stay. Some of you all sitting here got mountains sitting in front of you for a long time. You know, in the crux of all this, which is a whole other message, you got to put in forgiveness, because that's love. Forgiveness is love demonstrated. And if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. And if you're not forgiving, mountains won't move. Trust me. All right, praise God. And so I'm going to close with this today. Time is running. I was in my daily Bible reading. I try my best. I miss a day here and there. But we do have daily Bible reading, do we not? Now, see, when I ask a question like that, you just go ahead and go, amen, brother, even if you're not reading, because then if you don't, everybody knows you're not reading. And definitely don't frown at me. (laughs) Talking about her again. You should read a little bit. I'm not talking about becoming a theologian and studying five hours a day. Read something every day. It's like taking a spiritual vitamin. It makes you strong. And God will many times speak to you through the scriptures as I'm getting ready to close out with second time. I'm reading in the book of John, chapter 11, just reading my Bible reading plan. And I'm in the story of Lazarus. And most of you know the story. Lazarus gets sick. And so in verse eleven three, 3, uh, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And I heard God whisper to me, I'm in just Bible reading. I'm not in hyper spiritual land. I'm just reading the word. He said, You're sick. I said, What? I feel fine. I'm good, man. I had my physical. I'm supposed to lose 15 pounds. That ain't happening, but you know. No, he said, You're sick. He said, Not a physical sick. You're sick because. Falling short of understanding me and my love. I said, I got to see, it's going to be one of those mornings. See, he said, the one you love is sick. I I was getting the revelation that God does love me. It says in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I went, be sick, but it's not for unto death. And then in verse 5, he said, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And I heard God whisper to me. Now listen carefully. Right now, I want to pronounce to every person in this house, God loves you. And he wants you to feel it. He wants it to touch your heart like you never felt it before. Jesus went on and said, where is he? I want to I go to the tomb. And they took him to the tomb, and there was a stone standing in the door. And he said, roll it away. And then Martha got theological all of a sudden, said, Lord, he's been dead four days. He'll smell. He said, roll it away. Do you know what rolls away the stone? It's God's love for you that rolls the stone. Hallelujah. It's God's love for you that will produce your miracle. It's God's love that will take the hindrance of your life out of your life that is hindering you from fulfilling what God has placed on your life. It's, it's the blocks of the enemy that, that hinder us. It's the, it's, and it's the discouragement of enemy. And God said, roll the stone. I love them too much. Roll the stone. I love Lazarus. I love you. I love Pastor Jay. I love you. I love everybody. Roll that stone of cancer. Roll it. Roll the stone of financial debt. Roll it. Roll the stone of no work. Roll it. Roll the stone of family turmoil. Roll it. Because I love you. And Some of you are sitting here right now, got a stone stuck right in your face, and you know who you are. You know you do. Some of you have had dreams since young, and now they've just become dormant because they never came into fruition. But that doesn't mean God's finished with the dream. God's got a dream for every person in here. God's got a destiny for every person in here, and he's willing to roll the stone because he loves you. And so I'm going to pray for you now, collectively. And if you want the stone rolled, if you want every, every, everything that inhibits the, your life and the touch of God's love, Close your eyes and lift your hands a minute. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for these great Christians. They're your children, God. They're they're so awesome. Lord, I know how much you love them to the dimension that I can understand it. And God, I just pray today. You've given me this message. You gave me this presence. And I just pray that you would release your love into every heart sitting here today. Touch my brothers and sisters with a dimension like they have never been touched before. And God, for those that have been blocked and hindered, I pray by your love, you would roll back the stone. That you would move every hindrance, God, by love. That faith works by that love. Lord, I believe with all my heart you're more than willing to release deliverance and liberty and forgiveness and peace and joy and healing into every person here today. Bless your congregation with your love, Lord. Put a fire in our heart to know it better. I want to know it, God. I've got to know it like never before. I receive it. Receive it. In Jesus' name. I feel it. You know what? While you're sitting there, just kiss his face. You don't do it physically. You just do it in your heart. Wrap your arms around his neck. He'll receive you so gently. I never did that with teaching me bless your people god i pray this in jesus name and all god's people said god bless you or i would say in haiti born jibinio praise the lord give him a big hand thank you pastor